Hi, everyone. Welcome to They Had Fun. I'm Rachel, and I'm back with another amazing story about New York City. But first, I just wanted to let everyone know I will be on vacation the next two weeks. Finally. So we will not have a new episode the next two weeks. I'm very sorry. I hope in the meantime you go out and you have some of your own fun in the city. But my next new episode will be Wednesday, July 20th. So don't be concerned when you don't hear from me. Next up, you know you're excited for it. It's Rachel's Rex. I am so excited to keep bringing these to you guys because everyone is saying they love it. So number one, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right per usual. Songi Napoli. It's a Italian restaurant, pizza and pasta down on Houston Street. I went last Friday. It's seriously so much fun. They had tables out on the sidewalk. Everyone was dancing. The pizza is phenomenal. We were with a whole group of friends. They just let us show up. We only had to wait like 10 minutes for a table. It is such a good spot. I highly recommend it. Next up. Another restaurant. This one is called Stamatis. It's a Greek restaurant in Astoria. It's on 23rd Avenue. It is wonderful. You have to listen to me on this one. I am married to a Greek man, so I somewhat know what I'm talking about. They have great food. They also have a little setup outside. They have Mythos, the great Greek beer that everybody loves. Wonderful. Food's delicious. Go there. Lastly, the Manhattan Community Boathouse at Pier 96. They have free kayaking on Saturdays and Sundays. You can sign up ahead of time, but you don't have to. It's a beautiful view. It's free. Get some exercise in. It's a great time. I've been before and I really enjoyed myself. So that's my last Rachel's Rex for the week. I hope you guys are going out and doing these things and having so much fun. On to the main event. Okay, my guest for this week is the author of the wonderful book, Art Hiding in New York. I'm telling you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to love the book. So just go ahead and trust me on this one. She also is the author of the upcoming version, Art Hiding in Paris. And I can promise you with all certainty, she is a New York City lover through and through. Please welcome to the show, Lori Zimmer. Thank you, Rachel. Great to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited for you to be on the show. Again, I feel like I'm punching above my weight class here. Like you've written this amazing book that is such a love letter to New York City and specifically about the art hiding in New York City. And so I just feel so lucky to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're a fan. I was really flattered when you reached out. This book is pretty much myself personified into pages. So it gets me, <laughs> I'm pretty dorky and it gets me really excited when other people kind of feel the magic that I feel of walking around New York as well. As, as everyone knows who listens to this, I definitely am dorky in that realm as well. I definitely feel the magic walking around the city. I love the book. I think it is so interesting. I think the other thing that's very interesting about it is that oftentimes people come to New York and they're like, oh, it's so exciting. Expensive. It's so expensive. And the idea of this is that you can just walk around, be with the people, see amazing things that everyone has access to. I mean, I guess I kind of was wondering where, where did the idea for this book come from or what made you want to do it? Well, basically I was fired from a job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason to start something new. Yeah. I worked at an art gallery in Chelsea that shall remain nameless from 2007 to 2009. And working in the art world is kind of, I mean, like many jobs in New York, you just work nonstop. And then after work, you're required to go to events, blah, blah, blah. You don't have a lot of time for yourself. So when I was fired, I was sort of devastated. <laughs> you know, I was like, why? So I was applying for jobs by like afternoon, but in the morning I would assign myself these walks around the city because I never had time to just appreciate it. And I told myself, you know what, you're going to find the 
your favorite coffee shop and you're going to find like the best place to go for happy hour. And while I was doing that, I ended up finding a whole lot of art and sculpture and art history instead. And so I would go on these little dorky walks and then I would come home and write down like what I saw and I would research them, which started out as Googling. And then as it progressed, became more legit. And 10 years later, it became a book. I mean, I just love, I hate to sound again, dorky, but it's just so inspirational. I think a lot of people like lose their jobs and would just like wallow on the couch and be like, what is my life? But to have this like concept of like, you know what? Uh, I finally have all this free time I've been waiting for and I'm going to like go enjoy the city I love. And then like all of this comes out of complete happenstance, basically. I mean, I just think that's so inspirational. <laughs> I hope that like a lot that would inspire a lot of people to do something like that as well. Well, there was a lot of wallowing too. Let's let's <laughs> let's be real. I mean, it was pretty depressing for me, but I just realized that I was gifted with this time, sudden time that I just literally never had before. And honestly, since then, I've never had a real job that that was sort of the impetus to make me do my own thing. And this information was all in an Excel spread file or Excel <laughs> spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet, so dorky. But eventually I made it into a blog called Art Nerd New York, which I have since retired, but it was kind of a big thing. 2012 is when it launched had this giant party at the Tribeca Grand. It was amazing. Whoa. Andy Rourke from the Smiths DJed. So like 14-year-old me was dying inside a little bit. <laughs> That's um, incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty great. And so the blog raged on for a couple of years and I would also use it as the curatorial platform. So I would curate art shows and blah, blah, blah. But blogs kind of, you know, disappeared in importance when Instagram came along. And so I just kind of let it go after a while. But a few years later, it became a book. So that's kind of the best case scenario. Everyone has to go out and buy this book. The illustrations are so beautiful. It's got so many great tips. Even someone like myself who thinks that they consistently know every single thing about New York and like has is so much like has so much to tell people. There's so many things inside of the book that I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know about that. You know, there's a few that I loved and I was like loved seeing them, you know. Yeah. But there are many things that people will learn. Even if you've lived here forever, you will learn and find things anew and be able to go enjoy them. So I'm just I'm so glad that you've made this book for everyone who loves the city. Thank you. It is definitely things that you pass a million times and most of them are free. A couple of them, they have a price tag in that you need to buy a $25 cocktail in order to, for example, the <laughs> King Cole bar, the Maxfield Parish painting. Yes. King Cole bar is the first bar that also brought the Bloody Mary to the United States from Paris. They're very expensive. However, I feel like it's worth having one drink, one fancy drink in the beautiful room whenever you get the chance. Okay. Well, you're speaking to the right audience right now, myself, because for 11 years, my husband and I have celebrated something we have uh, trademarked as fancy hotel lobby bar night. Yes. And it started out when we were extremely young, extremely broke, walking around in jeans. And I just was like, hey, we were by the Plaza Hotel. And I was like, why don't we, why don't we go in there and get a drink? Like, let's just do it. And he was like, okay, fine. And he went to order a beer and I was like, no, you have to get a martini. And then we ordered two martinis. And then I got the bill and I was just like, oh my oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but now as we've, we've grown up, I mean, we've done Bemelman's, King Cole Bar, Plaza Hotel. I mean, we've, we've hit a lot of them and I, I totally agree. 
It is not something that most people can do all of the time, but I think it's like a lovely thing to treat yourself to once a year. And it's something I find so interesting about New York. I think a lot of times people think, you know, we've talked about this before of like, oh, I can't do that. Or this is like this, but like, I find it so interesting in New York that everyone can get on the subway for $2 and 75 cents and go sit their ass down at that bar. And if they're willing to waste 20 bucks, they can sit there with any, no matter who they are. And that's open to all of us. It is crazy expensive, but it is such an experience that all of us could have if we want to go do it. I think that's really actually a really important realization in anyone's life that a lot of people don't get to because they, New York is like built for in some ways intimidation. And Mm -hmm. I think I was, it wasn't until I was around 30 that I was walking into the plaza and I was like, wait, I feel like I don't belong here and everyone's going to look at me, but a 30 year old woman is probably their ideal client. (laughs) And I actually do belong here. And no one is looking at me funny because I look like a regular patron here. So that realization really opens up a lot of doors. A, to enjoy all of those places you were just talking about the fancy historic rooms that always have some kind of master painting or some kind of like echo of history of New York but Mm -hmm. also if you want to see things that okay for example one whole section in my book is about lobby art and it sounds Mm -hmm. pretty generic but back in the day corporations used to buy they would spend one percent towards the art that program and they would buy master works it's a tax write-off and they would have to have them on display in lobbies and a lot of them you can see from the outside but once you feel comfortable enough to realize you belong anywhere I would always fake phone calls like that's (laughs) my thing like I go into a lobby for example, on Fifth Avenue, there's a James Terrell installation in a lobby and they don't let you take, I've never taken pictures of it from the inside because they will catch you. But I've always go, I've gone in a couple times and I hold my phone up to my ear and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm downstairs. What, look, do you want me to just meet you at the restaurant? Okay, whatever. And while I'm doing that, I'm just like really taking in and looking at the art and no one bats an eye because I could be some businesswoman waiting for my power lunch. But it kind of really opens up the city. And the same goes for using restrooms. <laughs> like, oh, yes. In a hotel or you just yes. get on the phone and you pretend. <laughs> We're really giving out the hot tips here today, which is pretend to be on the phone and no one bothers pretend you. Pretend to be on the phone. Just walk on by. Yeah. You've literally written the book on New York. Yes. Now I can ask you my first question, which is, when did you first move to New York? I had a couple of stints. I've been here solidly since 2006 when I moved back here to go to grad school, but I was here for six months in 1999 while I was in college to intern at Paper Magazine in the photographs department. So that was pretty incredible. Wow. I bet there's some stories there. There are definitely stories like my first, and I I was living in Philadelphia, commuting here, staying overnight. I would do two days. I would get up at ass o'clock on a Thursday morning and take the train here and then stay over Thursday night. So I would do two full days. And my first day they were like, okay, we need you to run all over the city and pick up all of these garment bags for a shoot tomorrow. And I knew nothing about New York. And they were like, just handed me a, okay, pre-cell phone, right? 
they handed me a Metro map and a Metro card and they're like, okay, bye. Wow. And I remember I had to navigate, which believe it or not, I was pretty okay at it. But that first day I had to go to Bulgari and I had to sign out a necklace and it, I was like signing my name and it was like, this necklace is worth $35,000. And I'm like writing my name. Like, I can't believe this magazine is putting this $35,000 necklace on their intern's first day. And this girl who just showed up and it's like holding a subway map like like oh where am I and they're like hey can you go grab this <laughs> yeah I mean it was pretty wild but I will say because of that I know New York really well and I rarely get lost just because I had to it was out of necessity but the second day so all of the garments were for now I don't know how old you are and I don't know if you know who this person is but D'Angelo the singer yeah yeah he was yeah, like yeah. in 1999 he was extremely Extremely good looking at that yes, time. I, I do recall. Everyone knows that music video. Yes. Very pivotal music video for How a lot of young women. Feel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of awakenings happened. Yes. But that was the second. It was the shoot. So I got to be on the, I collected the clothes first day, signed my life away to Bulgaria. And then we did the shoot the second day. And he was, I helped, I assisted the stylist and he was a man who definitely didn't want to put his clothes on himself. So I had to like hold his pants while he stepped (laughs) into him, zip the pant. And I did not mind. We had him at one point in a beaded speedo underwear from Prada. And I was just like, okay, I could get used. I could do this job for sure. This is just so great thinking about you. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go up to New York city. I got this internship and like the amount of things that happened to you within the first two days. Right. It was you're like, wild. who am I? And on top of it, it was, it was 1999. So I probably looked like a spice girl at the time. <laughs> Like, I definitely had the ginger spice hair going on. People were probably like, yeah, this girl's not from here, but... I've, I'm sure you looked wonderful. It was great. So you're here for that. So you're in school, you're sort of doing like the internship and then you go yeah. away, but then you officially come back for, and I'm guessing since then have stayed since 2006. Yeah. I had another little stint in 2003, but let's not mention that because that's... okay. Hmm. We'll talk about that over a glass yeah. of wine. <laughs> we'll do that one off the air. Okay. Yeah. But when you came back in 2006, we can assume some of the answers. What, what do you think was the real reason why you moved to New York in, in 2006 and has, has kept you here since? I always wanted to move to New York since I was 14 years old. And I, I'm from Buffalo, New York. And in the local indie bookshop, they had paper magazine, which I ended up interning at. And they had Project X magazine, which was a raver, a 90s raver magazine. But those two magazines made me realize I will live in New York one day. And I couldn't afford it for college. But when grad school came around, I was like, all right, I'm old enough. I was living in Philadelphia. I was working for the Chamber Orchestra of Philadelphia. And I loved my job, but I just knew I wanted to go to grad school. So that was, it just kind of evolved. It was like, all right, now's the time, time for more education. I was 27 years old and I was the oldest person in my graduate school class. <laughs> what? I mean, I feel like 27 is still pretty young for graduate school. I know. School. There are people in my class that are like, wow you're 27. That's old. I'm like, I in fact know that 27 is not old and it is (laughs) an amazing age. (laughs) What school did you come here to go to? 
I just went to FIT because it was the cheapest, but I went for a program that was um, mixed art business and art history. Wow. So initially I wanted to work at galleries until I was fired from one and said, I will never work at galleries. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm over that now. Totally. Returning back to your original stint, because I have a feeling this will be the best one. Do you know where you where you lived or what your first apartment was when you came in 1999? I stayed with a friend because I was just here for two nights. Oh, okay, okay. And he lived off the Bedford stop in Williamsburg on Grand Street by the water. And it was super desolate. Right now, you know, it's like crazy Times Square, pretty much. Yeah. But across the street from his apartment was a turkey smokery, turkey processing plant. Like, so the street always smelled like cooked meats. (laughs) And I remember thinking we like thought it was so far from the subway. Now I'm just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But Williamsburg was really, really awesome in 1999. Kind of desolate, but the things that were there were really cool. Yeah, I'm sure in 99, it was like, I mean, obviously entirely different, you know, but I always love this idea of like the person showing up bright eyed and bushy tailed and like being like, I'm doing it. I'm going to the big city. And then just like the reality of being like, why does it smell like Thanksgiving every day on this street? Well, I lived in West Philly, so I had seen it all already. West Philly in the late 90s. I mean, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is literally about Will Smith escaping West Philly in the 90s. So (laughs) that was where my undergrad, my college was Drexel. So I had seen everything. So all the lovely smells of New York didn't really phase me. Um, But I specifically (laughs) remember, you know, those nuts for nuts carts. Yes. That smell reminds me of that time. They smell incredible. Yeah. That really brings me back to like the nineties. It was, I feel there must've been like a cart everywhere I needed to be because I felt like everywhere smelled like that. To this day, I still love the smell of those. And the coconuts. Have you ever eaten the coconuts? (laughs) Holy shit. They're fantastic. I don't care if the person making them doesn't have anywhere to wash his hands. They're delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Another hot tip because I've never had the coconut. I mean, I feel like I've tried a bunch of them, but the coconut seems to be the sleeper hit that we all need to get at nuts for nuts. It's going to blow your mind. You're never going to be the same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got all the hot tips for everyone. You've been here for a long time, but considering all of those things, we've now reached what I consider the most important question, which is Lori, what is the most fun you've ever had in New York? You know, this is a weird question because there's been many, many amazing times in New York, like the time we stole Matt Pinfield's limo, which you probably don't even know who he was, but at the time he was a host (laughs) on MTV. Yes, yes. But I'm going to go with weird instead because a lot, a lot of weird, weird things have happened to me in New York. Sometimes stories can be both fun and weird at the same time and tick all the boxes. So that's great. We can also take a weird story as well. Definitely. But one of the weirdest things and of, you know, there are so many was, uh, so after I worked at the gallery, I started writing press for a lot of um, websites, mostly about art, but also about sustainable design and architecture. So I would go to a lot of design events and there was this, my first one, they were like, it's a red carpet event. You have to dress the part unfortunately you it's the security is so strict you can't bring a guest and I was like wow what is this place oh my god so I get to the place on Madison Avenue somewhere in the 20s red carpet I'm like like security protocols they go through my bag I made it baby I get in there there's like waiters with like shrimp 
cocktail and (laughs) there's one of those champagne like tower no seriously it was like the most amazing food and drink and the party that I was there for was for a toilet (laughs) (laughs) it was for it was in a freaking toilet store Stop it. Like red carpet. I get inside and I'm like, wait, this is weird. There's a lot of toilets. It was for a Philippe Stark design toilet. And he was there. And like, basically, I'm not kidding you. He like lifted the lid and he was like, look inside. Isn't this toilet? And it was like a Toto one as well. So, you know, it had all of the like squirting and the heating (laughs) and the they're amazing but it was just like I was like this is what New York is and then I remember I was like laughing to myself and talking to a random other writer because we were all alone because no one was allowed to bring a guest and I was like this is hilarious we're at a toilet party and this person was (laughs) like what's so funny about it it's really (laughs) it's like a sleek and sustainable design can't you tell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what what is this place it just seems so otherworldly yeah I was gonna say it definitely seems like you're like in another world but I love it. oh, that's such a great build-up of like hey listen red carpet sweetie get it together you know no guests like all of this stuff you're like here I am I made it and you like get inside and they're like and here's this toilet literally a toilet when you're at the toilet party and you've arrived in this like yeah. do you remember what you were wearing Well, first of all, when you say toilet party, it sounds like some cool club in (laughs) Berlin, but it was not cool at all. I remember I don't wear heels and I was wearing, I wore heels. I remember that. Like I got to show up. And I remember I brought a clutch, which is the worst thing you could bring if you need to take notes for a toilet article. (laughs) (laughs) When you're there and you have no one with you and you meet this one person who instantly like drops you down. You're like, isn't this wild? It's such a, you're just like hoping you meet like the one rational person in the room. Who's like, I can't believe we're fucking doing this for a toilet, but like shrimps here. Did you wind up meeting anyone who was like on the same? No, (laughs) you know, I I don't write articles anymore, but my experience with that sort of things, I've been to a zillion and press events and these weird parties. Like there was a time where I'm so interested in New York interiors that I would go to a party for not again, a toilet, but something stupid just because I wanted to see the room. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In general, I was the only sarcastic person in this scene for a long time. And that made it really easy to give up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. When you're at the party and no one's becoming your friend, no. but there is all of this free stuff around did you just wind up getting wasted to make up for it? Or was this a work event and you had to keep it a little tight? I mean, a lot of them, you ended up being able to bring people at the end, which was good. But no, I never would get wasted in that context because it's the same people at all of the things. So they will remember. But did you go out afterwards and maybe do something after that? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, somebody needs to meet me by Madison and 28th or wherever it was. (laughs) We're going to find friends like, come meet me over here. I've just left this toilet party and I need someone sarcastic to speak to about it. And I've just had two glasses of really nice actual French champagne. So, (laughs) (laughs) so weird. Maybe you didn't have that much fun, but the idea of it is a very like fun, weird thing and gives people a certain peek into this part of New York that I don't think they think about that might be happening to them if they ever moved here one day. But you too, if you're listening right now, could move to New York City (laughs) and wind up at a toilet party. 
Again, we keep calling it toilet parties. I don't know what else to call it. I don't know what else to call it. Well, that story is great. I love that it's extremely, extremely niche. (laughs) But now I have my last and final question. What's your favorite thing about New York? I think that my favorite thing about New York is also my favorite thing about Paris. And this is what I really love to read about is there two places I I can be alone in and feel so totally fulfilled by it. Wow. Like I love experiencing New York with friends, of course, but I love a day by myself where this is, I'm, I told you I'm very dorky and maybe a little bit cheesy, but I feel like New York is like there for me. Does that make sense? It's it's just like, you can do anything in a day. You can like walk around and eat all the different kinds of cu- cupcakes. I actually did that when I first moved to New York. I tried every single cupcake from every single cupcake shop <laughs> or go to a museum or go to a bar and watch people. Like, yeah, I just it's so rewarding. I think that's a feeling that a lot of New Yorkers can understand is you are constantly surrounded by millions of people and yet you can still feel entirely alone. Sometimes it can go into bad territory and make us feel very lost. Yeah. But sometimes that can feel like amazing where you can just be entirely on your own, go out there, hit the streets, hit the city and just be like, the world is my oyster. And I think that's a really interesting answer. No one's ever quite put it to me like that. It's such a distinctive answer. And I just think it's really heartfelt and true. It just makes me feel really lucky that I live here for that reason, because you you can never really get too lost or feel too uninspired. I feel like after the pandemic and my age, a lot of my friends have dropped off or they moved away or they had children, whatever. But I could still do all of my favorite things just by myself. And I'm not a loner either, which is really weird. I'm like, (laughs) I'm a very needy person. (laughs) (laughs) But these, these things I just appreciate more by, by myself, I guess. The city's kind of a companion, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I think, I think you're exactly right. And I think it's a very great answer of this town can be yours and yours alone, even with all of these people here. And it can feel special and you can do anything you want. The reason that I wrote the book, Art mm-hmm. Hiding in New York, plugging it again, is because <laughs> New York also changes so quickly. And especially after the pandemic, so many places have closed. Like what I wrote about in the book is like, there are certain things that won't change because history happened there. So you will always have those little anchors to feel like New York is still yours, even if your favorite places are shuttered, you know? Yes. Yeah, totally. It's such a very eloquent way of putting it. And I'm so glad that you made that book for history to be there forever for us to remember all of the art that is hiding in New York. Another little plug for the book. Yes. Well, I love all of your stories about New York, whether it's your first day here or again, sorry to say going to a toilet party, but I think you have a lot of good stories from being here. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I think everyone's going to love to hear all of the fun you've had here, but most of all, thanks New York. They had fun. 